Welcome to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. At First Baptist Church, our vision is to be people deeply rooted in the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ, who then reach out into our neighborhood, city, and the world as we live and share the good news. Here is this week's Rooted and Reaching message from FBC Charlottetown. We're in part two of a brand new series called At the Table. Last week when we started the series, it, it focused on a group of people, a group of religious legalists, and yes, hypocrites, called the Pharisees. And they're criticizing the Lord and other guests who were at this meal at the home of a now former tax collector named Levi. What are they criticizing them for? Criticizing them for even being there. Criticizing them for just being at the table. Criticizing Jesus, whom the Pharisees already disliked immensely, for breaking bread with other people that they disliked. Well, there's a similar group of players in this week's text that we're going to look at also in the Gospel of Luke. There's one critical difference. The one critical difference is this, that the meal isn't just witnessed by a member of the Pharisees. The meal is hosted by a member of the Pharisees, that sect, that religious sect. It's being hosted by one, possibly named Simon. It's at his house, at his table, his banquet, and he's invited Jesus as a guest. You've got to ask yourself, why? Why? Why, why would a Pharisee invite Jesus over to break bread in his house? I have so many questions about this. What did he have in mind for Jesus by extending that invitation? What was he planning? Was he just trying to learn more honestly? Or was he trying to set a trap? I lean toward the, po- the second one, personally. I lean toward the, it, it's a trap kind of thing. Luke 7, verses 36 to 39, outline these events. It's just four verses, but boy, there's so much in here that we can take away from uh, this table where Jesus is eating dinner, reclined with a Pharisee. Luke 7, 36 to 39. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. Behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him. For she is a sinner. So here's why I think this is a trap that is set purposely 
by this member of the Pharisees. This, this woman, who is referenced so negatively, who is referenced so disparagingly, the one who's ministering to Jesus, she's in the Pharisee's house. Why would she be there? How did she get there? Um, why would someone that the Pharisee wouldn't give the time of day to on the street be invited to sit at his table? What's going on here? Two possible explanations, I think. Maybe more. These are the two that come to mind for me. She snuck in. Or she's there with the consent of the host. And this makes her the center of this accusation against Jesus, against his integrity, against his discernment. When she interacts with Jesus at this meal so publicly, so shockingly, letting down her hair, which would never be done in public, when she ministers to Jesus with such intimacy, in full view of all of these other people who were there, one would expect she'd get thrown out. She doesn't. Instead, we get this fake faux outrage concern from the Pharisee about what kind of woman she has been and what that means for who Jesus is. Maybe all of that was earlier in her life. Maybe she just very recently heard Jesus preach and she's repented of this lifestyle that she had. The scriptures don't make that clear for us, unfortunately. But the passage does make that one thing clear that we can know. She's there. She's in the house of a Pharisee. And and based on what the host doesn't do, but only thinks or says to himself about her, I tend to think this is a setup. And if it is a setup, if she's being used in an effort to make Jesus look bad, if the host is letting it all happen in his home, then that would make this self-righteous, religiously proud Pharisee just the latest man to use this woman. And that's just evil. We don't know who else is at the table. Verse 49, if we were to read on, says that there were other guests there. They see what's going on. They're talking about this scene among themselves, but we aren't told who they are. And so that leaves us to consider the the words and the actions of three main people in this scene. The host, Jesus, and the woman making this sacrificial offering to bless Jesus. These three during this meal, are playing out a real-time, powerful, at-the-table lesson from Jesus about three things all at once. Grace, forgiveness, and godly communion. Start with grace. Grace is defined as an unmerited kindness, a godly favor in this case. And, and, and Jesus shows grace initially by even accepting the dinner invitation. He knew it was in the heart of, of this Pharisee. But he comes. 
The second uh, recipient of grace in this story is the woman herself. She receives grace from Jesus. Socially speaking, she doesn't belong there. Her presence, even more her actions at this table, culturally inappropriate. And whatever has comprised her life, whether she's made poor choices or whether poor choices were made for her, whether she snuck into the home or whether she was coerced by the Pharisee to come and trap this Jesus, literally, none of that matters to the Lord. What she receives from him is abundant kindness, godly favor, which she receives with such an overwhelming sense of gratitude that she's weeping. You know, the one, the one who doesn't have any grace in this scene, the host, he judges Jesus. He judges the woman. He judges Jesus for not judging the woman. Forgiveness, the second one. Had we read on, and by all means do read on, we would have heard a parable between verses 41 and 50 about what was happening at the table and why it was to be expected. This this woman in question, Jesus says, has been forgiven so much And that her acts of gratitude, as shocking as they might be to others, were in line with that. They were congruent with just how much she had been forgiven. And it makes sense when you consider that she had just had an unbearable and unrepayable sin debt lifted off of her. And Jesus' final words in verse 50 confirm that. He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She may have come to that table burdened and convicted and ashamed. But she's leaving it forgiven, saved, and with the blessing of God's peace resting on her. But it's the third part. Community. Specifically godly community that I want to look at. By telling uh, the Pharisee the parable about the one forgiven much who then expresses much love, which of course is personified by this woman who's been worshiping Jesus, the direct implication is also that the one who has shown little love is little forgiven. That's the homeowner in the scene. That's the host. Real community, godly community, will always seek to include. This guy planned an entire feast built around exclusion. Who was allowed to be there and who shouldn't be there? Who was holy enough to be in and who was a sinner and should be out? Meals then, frankly now, are about closeness and personal interaction. They were about mutual interests and mutual concerns being shared at the table. In other words, the table is meant to be an act of community building, not social separation. And sadly, this is one of the legacies of the pandemic, isn't it? That inability to be at table together for so long. That isolation that resulted 
the inability to be physically close and interact with your people. Now, we found new ways, of course, and we're still keeping those uh, today because we found them effective. The online congregation, a good example of that. But whether it's in a virtual sense or an in-person sense, just being in the same place at the same time or on the same Zoom call at the same time, that's not automatically community. Being seated near someone or in proximity to another person doesn't automatically create community. I mean... Think back on the passage this morning. These people are all together at the Pharisee's house, the same table, in proximity with one another. And even though the the one that had planned this meal and was hosting the dinner wasn't in any way trying to build community, he was looking for division. His words in verse 39 about Jesus being no prophet and the way that this woman is devalued by the host Well, they just show that, that he was far more focused in finding reasons to exclude than in any real kind of community of inclusion. And it's sad. I mean, the Pharisee prided himself in his godliness and his righteousness was so far away from the gracious, forgiving, unifying heart of God when it came to community. And so whether or not the Pharisee got it or understood it that night or ever. This is a powerful scene at the table. Jesus once again taking and turning everything upside down in the most perfect way, of course. You know, last week, Jesus, seated at a different table, talked about how it isn't the well who come to a doctor, it's the sick. And he's talking about the spiritually sick. Well, this week, he's teaching that The one who knows they have been forgiven much will love much. And the one who does little loving has received little forgiving. So whatever the Pharisee thought was going to happen at this meal when he invited this person and put Jesus at the same table and then stood back to see what would happen, I'm going to guess that he didn't expect this. This was not the outcome that he had in mind. As a church here at First Baptist, we try to exhibit the same grace and the same forgiveness and build the same sense of community that Jesus is showing us at the Pharisees' table. Our goal as a body of believers is about finding every biblical means possible toward inclusion rather than sitting down and building social, doctrinal, and other kinds of barriers to keep people out. Christ followers who hear this sermon today might automatically jump ahead and assume, okay, now we're getting to the application point. Pastor's bringing it in for a landing. Here we get to the application point now. And the application is, do you want to be the Pharisee in the story or do you want to be Jesus in the story? And you got to choose one, which one you want to be. Wrong. That's not my application point this morning. My application point is consider you're the woman in the story. How'd you get to his table? 
Who invited you to his table? The king's table, the Lord's table. How did you get there? How did I get there? We're the ones that Jesus has poured out his grace on behalf of. We're the ones that he went to extreme lengths to forgive. We're the ones who have been granted this unmerited and incredible grace from him. And he's inviting us now to his table to commune with him. That's a good transition point for us this morning because we're going to take that invitation. We're going to hear that invitation again and then we're going to respond to that invitation this morning. It's the exact invitation to come to the Lord's table that we've been looking at throughout this sermon. You see, this morning, there's a tangible opportunity in front of us to respond to the invitation. To literally, physically come to the table. And so if you can identify with the woman at the Pharisee's house, if you know you've been forgiven much, and if you consider yourself saved from sin through the wonderful grace of Jesus, come to the table. You're not being ordered to the table. You're being invited. We don't come because we must. We come because we may. Be in his presence today. Give thanks for his true desire to be in communion with each one of us as we are who we are. I'm going to ask uh, Linda Matthews, one of our deacons, to come and pray for the elements this morning, and then I'll have some specific instructions about how to literally come to the table. You've been listening to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a weekly ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. Our theme music is inspired by Ben Sound. For more information or to support the ministries of FBC Charlottetown, please visit our website, myfbc.ca, today. If you found the content of today's podcast encouraging, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and drop us a comment. In addition, consider sharing today's Rooted and Reaching podcast with at least one other person this week who might be blessed through it or become better biblically rooted through it. Until next time, thank you for listening.